beautiful people. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Fast Love Talk. Ah, fan favorite, Anru is here. <laughs> people love when you come, Anru. They all tuned in. I can I can hear the knob, the knob, the dial going up louder. <laughs> How are you doing? Happy, happy wind down summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Today is a good day. Yeah. I, I haven't been in the streets yet, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope you're not playing in the streets, Babs. That's, that's not well, what you should it's be no doing. fun if you're not playing in the streets. <laughs> Just oh, now? Come on, come on. So, anyway, Anru is here. And, you know, we like to start off when he's here. It's my favorite thing. Because he bring, brings us to gather in, 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 in the prayer chant. Um, uh, of his faith. And so I, I'd appreciate it if you get us started. Of course. So again, this chant is a Yoruba chant to honor our ancestors, to honor the relationship that continues even after they've, you know, our relatives have physically uh, passed away. And our relationship continues and their access- accessibility and support for our lives continues. And so this Chances I honor the ashe that they have left for me. And that ashe that they have left for me, I am using it today. So that ashe are the, the gifts, the authority, the affinities that we have, the blessings that we have that come from them. Um, you know, who our people were and how that gets passed on in positive ways. That ashe, I'm, I'm honoring them for leaving that for me. But I'm also honoring, it's also my duty to pick it up and to use it. So that's what this chant says. Baba ba tofu washe u. Baba ba tofu washe. Baba ba tofu washe u. Baba ba tofu washe. Ashe tefu anlando u. Baba ba tofu washe. Ba ye ye tofu washe u. Ba ye ye tofu washe. Ba ye ye tofu washe u. Ba ye ye tofu washe. Ashe tefu wan lando u. Ba ye ye tofu washe. Ba e gungun tofu washe u. Ba e gungun. Ashe. So Ashe is the, the things that they have left, but Ashe also means may it be so. May it be so. May these things, may these prayers, may these things that live as, live as ideas or concepts or in the kind of unseen realm, may those things manifest and be so. So that's Ashe. We say Ashe at the end of prayers. May these things be so. May these things be so. Oh, so how are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I, that 
chant always puts me in a in a good place. It's a nice shift pivot um, to really honor the diversity of our relationships and where our support also lies, right? Not just in like our brain figuring things out, um, but in these sacred relationships and our relationship with our own people and our, how we can lean into that. Um, so there's some thoughts I have. I love when you have thoughts. <laughs> you know, but um, I always want to also leave space for <clears throat> if there are things that, because um, you like to play in the streets, sit on the porch. If there are things that um, you're hearing that um, would be a good thing for us to pay attention to, to me to reflect on a little. I think what I hear most often is... Uh... Um, people don't know what to do with all the anxiety of the uncertainty and the amount of violence um, mm. that is happening in and around us on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think that's very disconnecting to people, you know. Right. Um, so it's a really important question. Um, something that's been, there's like thoughts and ideas, right? And frameworks and things, but it also really comes down to practices. We, what, what practices do we have to, to connect us to a version of reality and our version of our lives that is bigger than the, the, the messages of, of, dehumanization and the violence that we're also experiencing. Um, if we don't have those practices, our default is to consume what this dominant culture says, because that's what we're raised to do. We're raised to consume what is here as our regular culture. And that regular culture, what is considered normal, is full of dehumanizing practices and messages, right? Mm. Are full of... Um, systems and institutions, right? Not just like a notion, but like institutions that um, marginalize some people and elevate others. Right? And so we look at the, not to get too theoretical, but to add this little bit of like how far, right? We've come um, as people, right? Who actually had embedded in our cultures ways of navigating Difficulty, violence, um, confusion, chaos, anxiety, depression, trauma, joy, love, celebration, and so you know this this land, in terms of was, or I should say, this country was founded out of like what came out of these British colonies, right? And those British colonies began um, through real practices of genocide, right? Both genocide on the indigenous people here and then included genocide of African peoples being kidnapped and brought over. All of these are forms of genocide. And so this land was inhabited by indigenous people, African heritage people had their lands and we were just living our lives and dealing with our own complexities and challenges, right? Nothing was perfect. And then these institutions and practices 
ripped us from there, brought us here, also ripped us in terms of people who have uh, indigenous heritage from here, Native American heritage here, destroyed those things also, right? So it was these institutions were like, well, let's, we want land and there are these people over there. So we're going to take their land. That means we have to get rid of them. And then we need people to work this land so we can be wealthy and we're going to kidnap and, and practice other things of uh, systems of genocide in them and bring them here. Right. And so this beginning, right. Of even like, this is all the beginning of what normal is. Right. So it's just good to understand the container that we find ourselves in. The mm -hmm. beginning of this was a, a dehumanization of one people's of others. And as black and brown indigenous people and the native people here, like we weren't introduced well together. We were introduced to each other, not based on our own cultures and traditions, right? As earth-based people, as people who had sacred relationships with each other and our family and our ancestors in the land and cultivated those relationships over thousands of years, we weren't, we weren't introduced to each other in that way. Like, oh, hi, I'm a visitor, you're a visitor, like, welcome, these are how we do it, this is how we do it, right? That's how you greet people um, when you're honoring yourself and honoring who they are. And that's not how we were introduced to each other, how African heritage people and Native American people were introduced to each other. It was all through the lens of white supremacy and this kind of settler colonial mentality, right? Which was about land for some people to get rich and then dehumanization of some bodies so that those same people could become rich. That's the first landscape of what was planted and seeded and fostered to make eventually this United States, right? And then other people and systems are getting dehumanized and oppressed along the way, right? Half of what was Mexico became erased and captured and taken by this expansion of manifest destiny in the United States, right? So there's the impact on lots of different black and brown people. And so then we, as African heritage people, right? We are, the way that slavery happened here is we were, anything that was traditional was eliminated, right? These traditional family structures, sacred literature, ways of connecting, sorry, not eliminated, but were attacked, right? By these systems of, of slavery. And so anything that was African was um, eliminated and beaten out of people, but also there became this process of, in the United States, which was different than the Caribbean, of breeding people, right? So new, there, was, there wasn't as much of like the, the influx of, of African peoples into these systems to remind people, to remind us as African heritage people about where we come from, how we think of things, what it means to be a person. And so over generations, right, we're kind of subsumed deeper and deeper into this colonial mentality package, this package of white supremacy. And so fast forward, not to walk through every little step, here we are today, right? And we've internalized notions of what it means to be successful, what it means to be, to make it in this country. What do we need to survive? What do we need to thrive? And unless we have practices that recenter our personhood, we then take on these practices that have come out of these deep systems of oppression and dehumanization of certain people being less than and certain people being greater than forgetting that we are still on land that was stolen land that was treaties were made and then United States just decided not to follow through with treaties, right? And the erasure of people, a land that 
continue to dehumanize our inherent personhood as uh, as African heritage people. So that's the like container that we find ourselves in, right? So, oh, here's all this violence happening. Here's continued dehumanization. Here's continued oppression that happens. Here's an undoing of you know, these systems of structure and democracy that are also happening. Um, and that's in a continuum of what, of the, really the destruction that had happened as soon as the Spanish first sent people to colonize this part of the world, right? And so that's continued. And so we have to practices to find our way back to that inherent personhood are important. So, oh, how do I not try to find my inherent personhood through Instagram, through TikTok, <laughs> through, through Netflix, through Hulu, through Disney Plus, right? Through drugs and alcohol, through overconsumption of sex, through overconsuming, or that my identity is about my what I consume, or my identity being solely linked to where in this kind of status piece around work, around professionality, around education I am. Um, if we rely on those things without these other awarenesses of our personhood, we are then just kind of following in lockstep with the supporting of these um, dehumanizing ways of being. And so we won't find peace there because those practices have some inherent hook in them about, you know, kind of numbing ourselves out, right? things are too difficult, I don't want to pay attention to this discomfort, I don't have practice to lean into something greater than that, right? And so these, for me, um, these practices, I have these Yoruba practices and traditions, these um, ways of thinking about my relationship to my ancestors that are also connected to the traditions of my ancestors before there was uh, whiteness, before there was blackness, right? Before there was um, kind of these colonial patterns that were instilled in me. Not that I have to go backwards, but if I need to start being curious and questioning what I think is just fundamental and what is normal. Mm. If I don't, I won't find my way out, right, from these systems. Now, all this to say, it doesn't mean that just because you have these practices, you will never feel anxious, you will never feel depressed, you will never, those are normal things. When the world around us, the circumstances around us are overwhelming and scary, it's appropriate to feel overwhelmed and scared. That's just like, oh, look, here you are. If I'm playing in the street, a truck is coming towards me. I should feel nervous and scared so I can get out of the way. That's rational. It's not that, oh, the truck is coming towards me. I feel so at peace. I can just be here with the truck and we can somehow just share the space and they'll recognize my personhood and I'll just, no, you're in the street <laughs> and the truck's coming. I mean, I see you get out of the way. Like that's the normal response, right? And if we can be present, if we can hold these notions of our personhood, then we can skillfully address what is actually happening now. Oh, do I need to um, increase my awareness of like what's happening Right? Do I need to connect with other people and do some like community organizing and mobilizing? Do I need to like get off social media and put my phone down for a little bit and like go outside? Right? Um, oh, outside doesn't feel safe, so maybe I create a space inside. Um, what are these practices that I have to bring myself back to the present, to investigate and be curious about what it means to be a person? What mm. it means to not 
grab on to what is just normally spoon-fed or handed out to us? Um, can I notice my own patterns? And can I be also generous and compassionate to myself? Oh, look, I'm following into these old patterns. All right, let me pause. And let me develop some other coping skills, some other strategies. Let me, let me heal what needs to be healed so that I can even just see clearly. So I'm not just triggered all the time. So a, a new story doesn't trigger my own trauma that I experienced at 12 because I never addressed that. Right? Maybe I don't need to consume every little thing that I see. Maybe I need to be more discerning about what I'm taking in or have some other understanding so it doesn't feel just random and chaotic. It's like, oh, huh, there are threads of like how government works and things are often chaotic and changing, right? And I don't think anyone could deny that. And the system is also built to support some of that, right? Who gets punished and how and who doesn't, right? That still filters through the system, right? Oh, somehow, you know, land-owning wealthy white men somehow get different punishment from everybody else. Huh, that seems very similar to, like, how this country was actually founded. Hmm. Right? Not so different. What are then my practices that help me to find place for me to be a person that doesn't mean I have to assimilate into that culture? Hmm. What are my practices? What am I open to? Um, can I really, you know, as a, as a black person, can I look at, look at how anti-blackness lives in me in ways that is challenging to look at what African religion and practices are? Huh? How is like anti-blackness wrapped up in that? Like if, if my notion of blackness in this country begins in the institution of slavery, I, to me, that's a distortion of like the reality, right? Because what makes us black here is our African heritage. So if we can't actually be open to our people there and that they actually have something to offer us. And if I dehumanize them because of these notions of settler colonialism, about Africa is this dark, primitive, oh yes, they don't know anything, right? If I'm replicating that, I'm walking in step with these, a system that dehumanizes me. So how can I ever find my personhood if I myself am denying where I come from and who my people actually are. It doesn't mean I have to have those exact same practices, but if I can't even open up to the validity of thousands of years of people and how people lived and thrived, I think there's a problem. Right? There's a hurt there right? because of the trauma of this institution of slavery. So how can we go in and heal that and find, you know, if a door has been closed to us, because of these systems, right? No, you can't have these practices. You can't have these, you know, the, the culture of, let's say the drum, for example, exists in the United States, completely different from throughout the Caribbean and other parts of the African diaspora because of how that aspect of Africanness was prevented here. Rhythm, right? Still found, it, found its way into here, like how we use our bodies, how we use song, right? But as an instrument, as a part of a fundamental part of our culture, right? That was eliminated here. So. Oh, what happens when people start to hear drumming now? Oh, some people are like, what's that noise? Or like, that's it's primitive, da, 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 whatever. Or this ancient thing, right? It's not relevant. That's us buying into this message that we've been fed and been beaten into our bodies about what it means to be black here in this country. Mm. Wow. <sighs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, just a, just a, some things to muse about, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a, listen, at, at any point in, in all that you said, all I kept thinking was, I, I don't know how, I don't know how we, first of all, I don't know how we feel in the hurt. I don't know if that's, if we could collectively do that or everybody individually has to work on their path about this hurt. Second, how do we, how do we, how do we think about our own anti-blackness in our everyday living as black people? How do we, how do we do that? And how do we check ourselves when we, when it, when it shows up and it shows up, it shows up even in the best of us. Um, That's number two. Number three, um, there's so much that we have to learn about who we were prior to mm-hmm. and how do we how do we bring that forward to the day how do we bring that forward and number four i know that we spend a lot of time taking the church from what it was used against us and making our own we have a history of taking what was done to us and repurposing it making it our own so that it doesn't hurt as much. But I got to tell you, it still hurts. And so how do you combat the messages of fire and brimstone with what you need? Because I I feel like there's something else at work that we need that that isn't about the church, isn't about worship. It isn't about, it. it is a reconnecting to something that we've long since lost, but it is in us. I do believe blackness is very much Africanness is very much in us. In us. It is I think it's in us. And I, you know, when I look at people around the world and I travel, I see the commonalities. I see, I see us the way we move, the way we talk, the way we are with one another. That hasn't been beaten out of us. Right. There's a lot of things that have not been beaten out of us. There's a lot of things that have survived. Yes. Yes. I don't I don't want people to think that what I'm saying is like all has right, all has been lost. Oh no, I, I don't right? I don't get that you're saying no. that. I'm getting that that we have to go look. Exactly. Well, and if we don't <laughs> right, if we don't feed, if we don't so The the question about the church is is complicated. It is very complicated. Right? But I, so I want, but I, I see want, a path in there that I so, feel something else about that. So I think so. Actually, before we get into that, the first thing, the message that I've often gotten connected to my ancestors and being in the woods and and being present with like. Oh, here's the, the the pain of like clear cutting and oppression and police violence, right? All the things. The first message when I'm in those places of so for me, like being in nature is a nourishing place, right? Which which by itself in this country, the complexity of, of black people in nature is both yes. because of both, both because <laughs> of white supremacy and like, well, that's just for like white folks and their preciousness, but also you know, we've had some real traumatic experiences in nature, both by being enslaved people, by being hunted, 
right? All kinds of, all kinds of awful, awfulness, right? And so, and it's a place that like, to me can hold the complexity of who we are without telling us who we need to be. Like I get to go sit on a rock by a tree and there's no gaze at me telling me how I should or shouldn't behave. Right. All that comes out of me. Right. And so, but this message of before we shift into fixing, right. Cause I actually heard like the first things were like, okay, so what do we do? Right. Is we have to feel it. And can we go into the spaces that we feel like we can lean into a little bit and allow ourselves to feel it first. And that, that's that place of going into healing. And that's where these practices to me are really aren't theoretical, right? It's literally like, well, I mean, whether it's therapy, whether it's in the woods, whether it's even before we get into like indigenous practices and what that means and how do we as black people go into indigenous practices that are ours and don't replicate commodification of like Indian things, right? Um, that's also important. So whatever those practices are that we can lean into and have some respite from and some support, can we allow ourselves to really feel the, the pain, feel the terror, right? No, and, and teasing apart, like I feel that it's not happening right now in this place, but I feel it, right? And so that is the, that, that's a way that we start to undo those distortions of like kind of historic trauma, intergenerational trauma, cultural trauma, right? Into how can I be present in these places of support so I can address that pain from the clarity of the present, right? from a ground of, of like, oh, here I am, versus like, ah, it feels like I'm somewhere else. Okay, it can feel like that, but it's not necessarily true or accurate that that's literally what's happening, right? And that's, the distinctions are important, right? I, I know the greater risk I have of playing in the streets, being in the world, right? And, If I'm not in that, I don't need to feel as if I am. Right? Mm. Otherwise, like the places of peace and restoration don't become that. They get filled with like, but at any time something could happen. That's a trauma response. Yeah. Right? It, it is. It over, is over so, there, yes. but it's happening. <laughs> yeah, over there. And I gotta deal with that. But right now, it's not. So can I find some ground? I find that rootedness, right? And so before getting into the complexity of practices, just like where's the place that I feel some agency, some peace, and then can I bring these complexities into that place? And then that place can expand. And then you can start to ask questions around like, well, wow, what, is it, what does it mean that the, you know, there's this thing called the doctrine of discovery, which I've been reading about more. Right, which is literally what the Pope, the, the authority the Pope gave to Spain and Portugal and other countries yes. to go somewhere where there were people and say, well, if they're not Christians, they're not that's, people, take the land, it's yours. Yeah. Take the people, they're yours, mm -hmm. right? So that's like the 1400s, right? And that, has, that has never been kind of repudiated even by the church. 
they say that like, well, it's not relevant now, but like, it's never, no one's ever said like, wow, that was, that was really bad idea. That was really harmful. That was really oppressive. Right. So that's the, that's like the beginning piece, which was actually about wealth and land um, control and accumulation. It wasn't just like a theology, like, you know, this is just what God is saying. It was like, oh, we want land and wealth. And here's the justification for that. They are not people. Go take the land. Go take the people. And that's how people landed on these shores. And that's how African people got taken from those shores. Right? So that's, that's like a real thing that came out of the church. Right? And, and that position has been justified and used in the United States, in U.S. law, right, for p- policies and practices. To you maintain, are absolutely right. Right. To maintain control, right? So can people who are Christians also hold that, right, that, that part of doctrine continues to, to pan out? In, in practices and policies, right? In dehumanizing people, in government policies, but also in like relationship policies of like, oh, who's a good person? Who's not a good person? Who's a human? Who's not a human, right? And the role of, of this is the one right way, which is not, I mean, it's not an indigenous practice, right? There's like, oh, this is our way. And if you want to come here and like join our way, that's fine. And if you don't, well, then that's okay too. Like you're not a, our people, but you're not, not a person. Right? This is how we do it here. And this is what works here in relationship with our spirits, our land, right? How we grow things, how we relate to each other. And, oh, we could even, what's that? It works for you. And you got from this other place and these other things. You live by the ocean. We don't, we don't even know what that is. Sure. That's bring that, bring that tradition in, in here. We'll fold it in because we're welcoming you as our people. So like you can fold that in. That's not, white supremacy, that's not, you know, this kind of colonial colonizer mentality, right? That's not that. That's not monoculture. Like we just need to grow corn and sugarcane and tobacco and rum to like make money and deplete the land, right? That's that version, right? And so getting into those complexities means, ooh, can I look at, right, where does my, where do my notions of blackness start and stop, right? If my people... So I have a lot of my ancestors who were like deep in the church in positions of leadership. Um, and that wasn't, that had really hasn't been my own practice. And I've really like wrestled even with like, what has it meant for people as I have worked to kind of find my way kind of back to these earth centered traditions that, you know, can feel like, well, like Christianity is this like settler religion that has done so much harm and even continues to dehumanize, right? These traditional African practices today, right? Um, you know, there's genocide of indigenous traditions that happen today, right? These aren't like ancient things. And so coming to terms with, these are also the language and technologies, like people want meaning and people seek connection to the divine and base that on the language and culture that they're embedded in. And so if everything else, but, kind of Christianity was allowed, then Christianity becomes the tradition and the culture and the language to connect with the divine. And so that was this place of, in the midst of trauma, how do we find our way with this 
knowledge, right? With this book, with this sacred book, right? These sacred teachings in the Bible. How do we find our personhood in that, right? Through, even as it's used to dehumanize us, how do we kind of find our personhood in that, right? And that's powerful and that's resilient and that's, um, continues that relationship with the sacred. And there's a deep level of forgetting that happens and that happened with that. And so how do we remember and then still, if it's holding that tradition, that practices with that remembering, great. If it's like, ooh, I now have to question, what does that mean for me if I'm able to really remember and include this personhood, right? If I'm, so it's like, in terms of ancestor practice, if I um, dehumanize, right? If I say, well, they had this other practice and that's evil or sin or whatever it is, right? It's like not good then I'm actually cutting that off from me, from my yeah. I think that's, see, that's, Anru, I, I think that's where people go along and they feel that that's not right. I don't, I don't maybe not right. Yeah. Maybe right is not the word. But they go along because for them, the greater story, the greater story is about keep my eyes on Christ. And I can swallow all the other stuff where black and that intersects. I just, I was somewhere the other night and I, I heard a minister say something that I, I couldn't, unhe- I couldn't divorce myself from it because it felt so divisive to me. And mm. I thought we, we are constantly asked to divide ourselves and our lo- holy loyalties right. in ways that nobody else is asked to do. We are still, we're still doing that. So, it's partly because, and this this is like tender and sensitive and, and like not easy conversations, right? So much of that faith and tradition is tied up with these same systems of oppression. And so as what's hard, I think, in some conversations I've had with other Black people is like a challenge to me. Like, how can I, how can I lump for example, this like settler colonialism or white supremacy, how can I lump Christianity and black, black church and black Christianity in that same bowl? Like that seems like absurd and disrespectful and um, demeaning of people who've, who really found their way to this connection to the divine and wholeness, right? And to me, it's not just this easy, like, well, here's the box. And if you're in this, you kind of get thrown in here. But can we admit to the reality that this system and these traditions have played and continue to play. Can we just do that, right? This divisiveness that you're talking about, right? Can we feel into that and understand that not everything everywhere, but like there are ways that this practice has been a part of the enslavement of our people as an explicit tool. And yes, we can like find the silver lining and find our way. And we're still kind of in the same soup of like, well, I'll take this, but not that. And like, I have to like the managing that happens, which fundamentally parses up ourselves. Yes. What if I feel this other thing, but what about my ancestors who, who weren't a part of this? Does that mean they're like in hell or they're bad? And does that mean that if I connect my ancestors, then I'm that too? And like, like, it, it creates that kind of dilemma, right? And, and that's, that's 
complicated. There's healing that needs to happen in there. There's not this kind of blanket, good or bad, right? Because it's also around like, what access did people have? And so we did this and we went this way and we took this. And, you know, the reality for me is like, those had, had the, had the church spoken to me in the way that Orisha and the ways that like being connected to the, to the earth itself and these sacred forces connected me, I would have been in there. Right. I come from a line of folks that are ministers and pastors and doing all things. I, I would have gone that route. Like, cause to me being in a relationship with the divine is part of my purpose. And so, and I, and I explored that language and I explored those ways. I was like, this isn't it. There's, there's something over here. And I, and I looked at the Quran. I was like, no, and I want to, cause like, look at all my people who are all wrapped up in these things. And I could be and like, no. And so even now in the work I do with my ancestors, they're like, no, you can't control how the divine speaks to you. Right. That, that is very true. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. But can we take whatever that is and still explore really what our wholeness is, which means looking outside of like what gets packaged and delivered to us. And yeah. that's not easy. And, and, if we're trying to be free, then we have to look at these things. If I want to be free, I have to look at how does male supremacy show up? How does it show up in indigenous traditions? How does it show up in my day to day? I have to look at that. And I got to look at what is, what is, how does uh, homophobia show up? Because if I participate in it, right, that is also dehumanizing to me. If I'm participating in male supremacy, that's actually dehumanizing to me because it says, well, maleness is this thing, and you want to be this thing. Because if you're not, you could be hurt, you could be less than, right? There's real, very, very real consequences. In terms of blackness, whoa, I'm light, so I get these benefits, but not those benefits. And oh, and all that navigating is still within, colorism is still within the bowl of white supremacy and this kind of settler colonial mentality. We even yeah. do that traditionally, like, oh, high person of different shades. <laughs> but here it became right life and death access not access who wields yeah. power who gets a little bit of an edge so that it's, things are a little bit easier so we have to in the present continue to have that like self-critical with compassion lens on what am i perpetuating what am i not how can i even really see my own wholeness how have i what have i internalized not just what's coming at me and i'm a victim Right, because there's that piece around like, well, as a black person, or even as a someone who's embedded in the church, I'm still a victim, so I can't be perpetuating any kind of oppression. Well, to this day, right, if you're a Christian, you have a level, whatever race, color, ethnicity, gender you are, you have a level of privilege than if you're something else. And the further you are away from that, the less access to resources, less personhood, um, you are also kind of, uh, is bestowed upon you, right? You can find your way in, in your practices. Like I feel whole and I still have to deal with how others deal with me. Right. Yes. It has been a wonderful conversation as always. So much to unpack, so much to take. <sighs> I enjoyed it. I, I've heard some things that I needed to hear and I, I so appreciate it. You know, sometimes you hear things that keep you on your path. And sometimes you hear things that like, oh, no, go over there. So thank you for being a, a, a lamppost today. I appreciate it.
well, I hope I hope it landed in, in some real um, and land in ways that 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 people can take it in. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. So I appreciate you. And uh, don't worry, y'all. He'll be back. <laughs> we'll have more conversations. So thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will. Well, right. Not quite there, but I will. I, I'm, I'm, I'm get gonna, through the week first. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The weekend starts now. Now. <laughs> so, thank you. All right. Take care. Now. All right. Bye, thank you, Harry. <laughs>